this is me, Oeshi, and this is another episode of the Café Post, and I'm here with Alex from Canada. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, yes, like you said, I am from Canada. I recently came here to Poland at the end of 2019, uh, just to become an uh, English teacher here. And I've been doing this for the last little bit. I did this in Hungary for a year, uh, a year before that, and I've taught English as well in China, uh, and I've done a lot of other international stuff, so done a bunch of traveling about 38 countries in Europe and I finished my degree up in Netherlands so that makes Poland my I guess my fifth home uh, so I've been really enjoying some of the experiences of the different cultures and such. So today uh, we're going to talk about a very interesting topic. We're going to talk about mental health and to be more precise we're going to talk about depression <laughs> because as far as I know you have a condition. Yep, yep. Yeah, maybe um, you would like to talk a bit about that, just to have some uh, introduction for our... Sure, absolutely. Uh, I'll give, I guess, like a bit of background. Um, it, this was something I guess I sort of had for a while without knowing, and it wasn't really until I, I got dragged to a hospital uh, by my dad, uh, my mom tagged along, uh, that I was formally diagnosed, I guess, um, in Canada, thank goodness, we, it's everything sort of free, so they brought me to an in-house psychologist there, and I think I was 16 at that time, um, which I guess was old enough that I didn't have to disclose anything back to my parents, or that nothing had to be relayed to them. Um, but yeah, I, I'd been diagnosed with uh, depression at about then, but... I had probably been dealing with it for easily another six years, maybe even before that. Um, so I, I'd say easily ten years old. Um, when you could sort of realize that something was a little off. Um, I mean, I, who knows? It could have been earlier. It's just when you're that young, you don't really, you're not able to introspect that well. But. Um, I guess I'll, I'll give like the a brief overview of it, and then um, when I was a bit older, uh, this was before I went uh, to the Netherlands to to go study. Uh, I talked to my mum just briefly. She was crossing my my doorway to my room, and I said, "Hey, mum, uh, I, I want to go see a doctor and maybe get prescribed some antidepressants." And this to her was just out of nowhere. You know, this was probably two or three years after the fact when we went to the hospital and to her knowledge um, she just thought it's something almost like a cult how you can get it and it can go away and it you know she's a smart woman but she doesn't have experience with mental health in that sense um, so we ended up going to the doctors and I had medication but I had like a low-grade medication and I think it probably helps but eventually I, I did come off of it because I, I almost had like a neurological reaction to it. when I was taking it I sort of felt ill it had nothing to do with the medication or anything like that um, so for the, for the most part from then on over the last I guess three-ish years I've been just playing it by ear. I've, I've been using um, 
medication or uh, therapists for better or for worse. But yeah. And you say that uh, you figured this out a bit later on when you have been like to a hospital. Why do you think is it so difficult to actually realize that it's not just something like a phase, but you actually have a problem? Um, I don't think uh, being, I guess, if you want to call it officially diagnosed was something that opened my eyes to it. Um, when I was very young, uh, again, this is probably the, the first instance that I can pinpoint um, was when I was about 10 years old. I just, I felt just really bad. Um, I think my depression has sort of changed over the years. Um, but when I was younger, I was probably a lot more uh, like viciously suicidal. Um, now I'd say it's more, of, at times it becomes the indifference to living. Um, so I, that's in a way a little interesting. But um, So I was about 10 years old and I, I was just, I was feeling down. Uh, you get that, it's, it's the ocean that, you know, sometimes the waves crash a little bit harder and are a little bit higher and that was just one of those times in my life and I ended up you know looking up how to tie a noose and you know, I practiced it and I, I decided that where I wanted to go to um, maybe 400 meters away from my house there's a river and there's a lot of like, massive trees um, and I always figured that that would have been a good spot to do it we had a decent tree but I uh, in, in our property but in my mind I didn't want to kill myself in an area that my parents would be every single day. Um, and I guess I, that sort of mulled around in my head for the first few days. Um, I, I never went through it, but I just sort of, I always just sort of kept that rope that I had, or string that I'd been practicing how to tie the noose with in a, in a box, and I just sort of hid it in one of my closets. But uh, because you said that even that time, did you had an idea that, okay, maybe I should see someone, or you felt more like it's just a thought that it's here? I think maybe if I was older at that time, um, that would have come across to me. Um, but at that age, no. And unfortunately, as me as a person, I'm very independent, and I think to those of you, your listeners that do have depression or have gone through it or even know someone with it, it's very hard to open up about it. Um, one of the reasons why I, I came here today and I wanted to talk about this is I'm a huge advocate about uh, talking about it because I think talking about it can remove the stigma. But at the same time, I'm probably one of the biggest hypocrites to that. Um, I find it very hard to reach out to people because even though... I like it when people are able to reach out to me. Uh, I feel humbled by that. I find it very hard to then go do the same. It's the whole idea that you don't want to burden someone, that you don't want to do it, or because there is such a big stigma that you might not want to go out and do something, or there's all these stories about the medication, and you know, it kind of worked for me, but at the same time, not really. So it is... I think there's a lot with a society that sort of unfortunately prevents us in a way like in, in our minds prevents us from uh, getting help yeah, because I think also if you if you talk openly about visiting a therapist 
people might think that first of all, if you go to a therapy, then probably you are a loony because you just can't deal with your feelings. Mm. Or the other part is that, but why do you need a therapist? You could just talk to me. And uh, I think uh, most of the time, it's very difficult to take even the first step to, to go and actually see the therapist yeah. because of the whole stigma that like maybe if I start to go into this, people are going to think that I'm, and maybe I am actually a lunatic and, and, uh, and I need more help or I need more uh, people to help me out of this than actually I think going to therapy and reaching out to getting help is uh, not just very important, but also a very nice step when you would like to get healed, in a sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. to learn how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And uh, because uh, I also have my, my side of problems with uh, anxiety and I have um, insomnia. And at one point it gets so bad that I, I, I wasn't sure that if I want to go to sleep because I was very scared, I had like horrible nightmares. And uh, it was very difficult for me to like sit down with myself and decide that okay, mm-hmm. I think now it's the time to go to therapy yeah. because I don't really think that it's healthy. And I think that's a hard thing, uh, you know, with with depression, with anxiety, is it's something that is not visible. And a way that I would describe describe depression um, is, you know, you you wear a mask. Um, it's this whole concept of I'm fine when those two words is really one word, help and I think I think that's the hard part because you especially in our society where you always are trying to put your best face forward to society with all the, the social media um, with your friends because you want to have fun you don't want to to I guess take away from from the fun and you really do put on that mask and I you know I, I can recall many times going into work when I wasn't okay but working with kids because I'm a, I'm a child's educator I, you have to be fully completely happy and uh, one of my previous jobs they said well you you shouldn't uh, be working if you have depression which I think is very hard because that comes back to me of just like uh, of having to be more closed about it and I think that's what we all need to strive to do better is help be more open about it because all mental health is very serious I think especially that you you mentioned this uh, issue on that if you have depression that you shouldn't work here mm-hmm. I think it's a more concept of uh, everybody wants to have fun everybody wants to have a great time and if you have depression it means that you are not a fun person to mm-hmm. be around which is just not true because just because you have some kind of a mental health issue it doesn't mean that you are less fun or you are less of a good friend or you are less capable of working. Yeah. And uh, I think especially nowadays if like maybe just because people doesn't really like to deal with issues in a sense but if you say that you have some problems some people might take it as a red flag that oh okay so maybe you just have your face you know so I'm gonna leave you to until you get better but I think it's very important to understand, and I wish if more people could understand that just because if someone has any kind of mental issue, it doesn't mean that that person is less somehow, yeah. or less capable, or whatever, because uh, it's I mean, not just depending on medications, but 
like even if you decide to not take medication, just go to therapy. But I think if uh, someone is already trying his best and reaching out and trying to get help and trying to to get fine, then at least we own something to this situation. No, mm-hmm. to say yeah. that yeah, okay, you know, you trying, you tra- you do you, mm-hmm. it's fine and. Uh, just let's not point our fingers on people. Yeah. Well, I, you you mentioned earlier too that you know some people might just sort of sit back and wait for someone to get better. And with mental health and at least my knowledge with depression, it's it's there's not really necessarily a cure. It's more about finding ways of properly dealing with it. In, in the case of depression, um, especially with, with my case, it's my brain is just blocking, literally not allowing me to be happy. It's not. Uh, able to release the, the proper chemicals in my brain that help stimulate the, the feeling of being happy. Um, and so, yeah, you can take medication, but that doesn't help fix it. Uh, that just helps get you through day by day, which I think is really, really good. And I really do think some more people need to look seriously into that as an option because you don't need to go for some of the, the crazy, uh, very high dosage things. I went on a very low dosage, and I found, I, I saw a change. But at the same time, it's you also have to find other ways to being more open. And I think that's the big thing, is having that conversation. And do you think that people nowadays are afraid to get such a diagnosis? Or what did you felt when you get your diagnosis? I mean, well, I didn't go there willingly. Um, so I I definitely wasn't um, very enticed uh, to get a diagnosis. And, I mean, when I got it, too, it wasn't like something that was surprising. It was just at that point making it official. Um, I think it's hard, and I think a lot of people have depression when they're not diagnosed because I think it's something that a lot of people can sort of feel in them and it's okay not to be okay Um, but at the same time too I think a lot of people might misunderstand what it is Uh, I mean one of of the common things is um, being not having much energy Uh, but that could also just be the not having enough iron in your, in your diet so it, there's really a lot of components to it and I think one of the big ones is yeah, if you are feeling suicidal then maybe what you're doing currently isn't uh, isn't enough mm-hmm. and you said that you were traveling quite a lot yes so how do you feel uh, because sometimes traveling can be quite of a trigger if you have mm-hmm. any kind of mental health because it's a very nice moment when you go and travel and go over, but it's also quite lonely. Yeah. So how to cope with traveling when you have depression? Uh, so I, I guess I'll also sort of link in uh, traveling with as well as, um, I guess, living in another country, and we can talk more about this as well. Um, but I think there's a lot of similarities. Uh, people in general are social creatures. We we sort of need to talk to people, even if you hate people in general. Um, so when I was traveling, I'm a huge hiker. I love going up to mountains, and a lot of that meant that I went to a lot more remote places. And out of the 30-something countries that I went to in 
in that three-month period, only one country spoke English. So there was a lot of language barrier too. So uh, like you said, it can be a little bit lonely. And in this case, some of that was due to sheer distance. I was in remote areas, but then also the language. And I could feel that sometimes, you know, maybe not full-on depressed, but you could, I could definitely notice a difference that's um, sort of lacking the connection with other people was sort of taking a toll, which was okay because I, I wasn't in these isolated areas for long periods of time, and I'd eventually go to a major city, and that would be okay. Um, but it's definitely, I think, something that people need to be aware of. If you do have depression, then maybe you know you don't be in an isolated area for a long period of time, or you bring a friend. I wasn't fortunate enough in that circumstance. A lot of my friends had to go back to university, or go working. I took the full summer off, so I was traveling alone. Um, but it's also something I didn't realize that would bother me, I guess, until you go through it. That's the, in my opinion, that's the deal with the, the triggers, because sometimes you don't even know that something can trigger mm-hmm. anything in you. Because uh, when I was, uh, I think I told you last year when I was living in France, I was mm-hmm. living in a very small uh, place. And uh, I'm quite independent, and uh, I thought that, you know, it's going to be just fine. But uh, I had also some problems with the language, and it just started to build up. And I, uh, I'm, I think I mentioned to my colleagues that uh, I have tendency to be anxious, and sometimes it can get on a level that I need to talk with someone. So yeah. just don't be surprised if at one day I'm calling you that I, I need to talk with someone because I, I don't really feel uh, quite well right. And at first I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing quite all right, it's fine, I'm, I'm okay. I'm a bit lonely, but that's fine. And from that, that's fine. I think a couple of months just left, and I arrived to a point that I wanted to go home. So I, I don't care how, I just want to go home. It's not working out for me. And the fact that I also want to go home and just, you know, interrupt my program there and stuff, it's also just building up more anxiety because now I'm not just want to go home, but I'm also a failure because I want to go home. So it's like... Either I'm going to cope with this anxiety now, or I'm going home and I'm going to have double trouble with the anxiety because I'm not just feeling lonely, but I also abandoned my project there. And it was a very, very difficult time. And uh, actually my parents were quite worried, which was really surprised because my parents are not, I think they're not really noticing that if I have issue, they would more think that, you know, it's just a face. And some people, I think, just sort of shy away from asking certain questions. Yes, and and I think it's also quite uh, a thing, not just from parents, but also from friends, mm-hmm. that they just don't really want to ask that if you just have a bad day or if it's like a long-lasting bad day at this mm-hmm. point. And uh, But then uh, I went home for like a vacation, just with the idea that, okay, I go home now, I will just see some friend, just to get out of this situation, and then it will be fine, because eventually I know it's going to be fine, but uh, with the isolation and with the language barrier, it was, for a couple of weeks, it was very difficult. Yeah, especially being a very strong person and, and being very independent. I think people that are independent by nature and then have... Uh, maybe a mental illness or that they're dealing with something it's harder for them because if, if you were to ask me how are you feeling or how are you I would say I'm fine I wouldn't necessarily tell you what I'm feeling because I don't want you to deal with it and I think that I can deal with it um, 
and so I think it's it's harder for those types of personalities sort of just get that up. help. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I would say that it's it's quite a situation as well because uh, in my case I also always has this idea that uh, when I I have a very bad period in my life I didn't want to talk with my friends because I thought that I'm like an energy vampire for them, that I'm just like, you know, crawling there and telling them my problems that are actually mm-hmm. just in my head. They are not real problems, it's just in my head. And, and so I, I just decided that, okay, I'm, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to roll with it. I don't need to talk about this. And, uh, and then, of course, it didn't work out because apparently pushing your feelings down, it's not an efficient way of dealing with anything. Oh, definitely not. And then, then I, I decided to, okay, I go into therapy. And from that moment, I think I just shifted my mind on that. Okay, so now I have one person that I'm allowed to, to bother with my problems, basically. So I'm basically paying for that this person to be bothered with my problems. So I don't feel so guilty about talking because it's my hour to talk. And in this case, if I already talk these things through once... I don't necessarily need to talk with my friends about it or with my parents about it because I already manage this and I can have my fun time with my family or with my friends and just separate these two things. But I think it's also not super efficient in a way. Yeah, I think it's I think it's hard, especially uh, I, I think in in my experience with with depression because at that point you're still putting on that mask and, and you're having to have different masks for different occasions. Uh, I, I think. Having a therapist is amazing, but I think I would love to encourage other people to reach out to their friends. Um, I was lucky enough when I lived in Hungary that I had a very, very good friend group that I could, you know, really open up to. And you know, sometimes we just go out to a bar, just have a casual drink and talk about it. Or one of my roommates uh, from Australia, she's really, really nice, and we would just talk about it sometimes. And she doesn't deal with depression, never has. Um, but she was there to listen. I think some people would be surprised how willing some people are to listen. And something that I sort of realized too is if you have a so-called friend that isn't willing to sort of be there for you for your hard times and help out or just listen, I would sort of question where they are in my in my friend circle. Yeah, that's, that's true. Did you ever have like some sort of relationships or friends where you have to question it because they just wouldn't listen? Uh, I am very, I guess, choosy when it comes to who I'm friends with. And in many cases, uh, I guess I would sort of explain it as I have a few friends but many acquaintances. And those friends are the only ones that really know me. And the acquaintances, yeah, sure, I might... Uh, hang out with them or, or go to a, with a restaurant with a group of them uh, but we wouldn't necessarily have those those deeper conversations okay so guys I think uh, the first part is over unfortunately we're going to have a short musical break where I'm going to play you a song from a very very special band which called Kurta Uta it's a boy with the band so enjoy and then we're gonna be back <laughs> Thank you. 
kell innen Sivárnak szült déli tájakról Meleg árnyaimban érezt Az otthont még váltig átkarol Malomba zárt emlék leszek Szalmaszál a város peremén Gyöngyúkod kiébredsz reggel Örök fény gyújtok neked Shame on you, I guess. But just listen us. Please do so. <laughs> so, 
Um, now we're going to talk about the many phases of depression because uh, I think lots of people don't understand that if you have depression, it doesn't mean that you are depressed all the time. That you are also look to have good days and also bad days. Absolutely, and I think uh, you know we're all different. So those that of us that do have depression, we all face our different demons. Um, I, I recently read. Um, I guess it was like a suicide note uh, of a notable person, and they they basically said that some some days the clouds I guess darken the sky a bit more than it should, um, and that's okay. And yeah, depression isn't always just there and in your face, and sometimes it can because it might come up because of um, an emotional trauma. Um, that maybe just happened, or it, at least for me, a lot of the times it's just out of the blue, out of nowhere. Um, so sometimes I can be very happy. When I was in Hungary, I I was having a blast. You know, I loved it there in Budapest. Um, I love the big cities. So I'm here in Krakow, and you know, I've so I've been enjoying that. I had a great job. I had um, someone that I care for very much, and I just woke up one night and I just I just felt incredibly suicidal incredibly suicidal and I was just looking up uh, different ways to kill myself like painless ways so I was looking up uh, mainly like overdoses and I, I think what sort of hurt the most was like I just described I was so happy to me I I would have been incredibly happy knowing this was going to be my future that I was going to be in this country doing something that I loved uh, and having someone to love me back but in that moment I was still sad I think that is one of the tricky parts with depression and as we're talking about the, the many faces of you can be okay at least in my, in my case and then just sometimes out of seemingly nowhere you just get hit by a truck um, but you know, other times, yeah. Sometimes it's because of uh, something a bit more heavy. You know, I, had my dog that I sort of grew, grew up with, we had to put him down a couple months ago, and I'm still sort of, I guess, going through the motions of that. And you know, I've I've gotten depressed and suicidal a couple times just thinking about that, even though, realistically speaking, it's just a pet. Um, but it's something that for me is a trigger. And do you think that it helps, like, do you usually know what could be a trigger, or uh, it just, you know, improvising itself, let's say that sometimes uh, something can be the trigger and you didn't even realize that, okay, that moment can be a trigger for me to, to feel down? That's a good question. Um, I think it depends, um, because for me, I'm very aware that I know that being in a different country is going to be hard, but that's also because of my experience that I've gone through that and I know that the language barrier and the initial isolation because of that, just uprooting your life to somewhere else, is very isolating because you don't know the language, you don't have your same friend or family group. Um, so in that sense, I'm, I'm aware uh, that that can be a trigger or it can at least play into uh, depression sort of hitting a bit harder. Um, but at the same time, I'm not as aware with some of the emotional triggers uh, because, as I said, sometimes it just comes up. But I think in that case, it's more of 
the straw that broke the camel's back because I think up until that point there's other things that sort of played into it um, where it could be, you know, yes, isolation, but it could also be the feeling of not being loved or accepted or something simple as not having achieved what you had planned. For me, uh, usually because I, I know that I have one trigger and I sort of cope with it and I know that if I'm getting into such situation then that's the, the moment for me to sit down a bit and just think it through mm-hmm. and uh, since I'm, I'm I think I'm quite independent and I really like to do lots of things and most of the time I'm quite dynamic with things and I like to have lots of stuff on my plate and working and doing lots of projects but at one point it can lead up and build up in me on a level that it's just too much I can't cope with this I'm going to fail in every possible way, probably even more ways than possible. And uh, and for me, that situation is always uh, a bit tricky because at one part of mine, I really would like to do this, really would like to have a best, really would like to do thousand things at once. And then I know, but I'm going to hit the ground so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, I, I think... It might be also difficult when you have this excess energy, let's say, that you can do so many things and you already see the end of this war story that, oh, now I'm very high on energy and I'm very healthy and I'm very dynamic. <laughs> it's going to be so bad so soon. And uh, I think it's very important if you recognize some of the triggers because maybe it's easier to cope with them. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's one of the benefits with uh, having a therapist of trying to focus on triggers because at the end of the day it's about dealing with it and uh, about you we were talking a lot about friends and, and family mm-hmm. uh, so how your family and friends are coping with the fact that you have depression because I guess you are quite open about it so they are aware but we also talked about it that for your mom it was out of the blue that you need medication yeah. so how to, to talk about depression I think a lot of the times unfortunately that the person that has depression needs to be sort of the one that makes the first move because a lot of people aren't going to ask hey are you you have depression because if you don't it's sort of like asking uh, someone if they're pregnant you don't want to make the mistake or if you think you see someone that you don't know but you don't want to call you don't want to make that mistake of of assuming that uh, you think that you know what they have or whatnot Um, so yeah I think the person really needs to try and have that close friend that they can try and confide in because at the end of the day, I do think that the person would feel honored to hear about it. I know that I, I do when, when my friends open up to me. Uh, I, I remember one of my friends, this was, uh, we were graduating from high school, and almost everyone left the after party. It was held at my house, and uh, he's a very close friend of mine, uh, incredibly close. And he opened up that he was gay uh, to a couple of us. And, you know, we started asking questions. And then that's when we learned that he went through all of the four years of high school being gay and never telling us because he thought that we might judge him for that. And that hurt. So that's how I know that I would feel grateful for someone 
being able to confine. That shows that you trust them. So I do urge people that have any sort of uh, mental illness to talk about it because you're not alone. There's so many people that deal with it. There's, we did an exercise in my first year of university where you, we had a sheet of paper that said, if you really knew me, you would know that. And then you had to fill it up out and then slide it anonymously under our um, Don's door, the person that sort of keeps watch after us, I guess. And then he posted it and we all just sort of looked up. I was too shy and, and nervous to write anything. But that opened my eyes because I saw out of you know 50 people on that floor that there were like 40 sheets of paper and maybe there would have been more people like me that just didn't want to and you could just see all of these things that people deal with you know bulimia or depression anxiety all these different things and it's incredible but you don't know this so it's scary but people do need to open up because you're not alone well you remember the moment when you decided that you're going to be an advocate about this and you're going to be more open about mental health in general um, it's, I, I guess it was when I went to the Netherlands when I sort of got in the medication because I was a lot more vocal about it um, and, and I, I realized that talking really did help and I guess the second thing is there's this uh, telephone company oddly enough in Canada called Bell and they always run a yearly campaign of Bell Let's Talk it's, it's basically a way that on social media you share about your your mental illness and your struggles and experiences with it and it's the whole idea of removing the stigma because I would agree that in my circumstance and I'm sure many people don't talk about it or don't seek help because of the stigma of the idea that it's wrong or that you're messed up or that you are less than uh, because you have it when the majority of people statistically speaking will go through depression one point in their life or another I know in Canada it's something like two-thirds at one point or another that you will go through it. So it's weird that even though the majority of people will experience some form of you know, mental health issue, that it's a stigma that we don't talk about it when every day it's taking people's lives. Talking about stigmas, I guess you have a first-hand experience on being maybe stigmatized because mm-hmm. you have a mental health issue. So... What your thoughts about the stigma? Why are we so afraid of having a diagnosis? And why are we so afraid of saying out loud that if you have some mental health issue? Why is it so difficult and why is it so stigmatized? I mean, from my perspective or like the from a society standpoint? Like, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, definitely for me, it's... A lot of the times I just don't want to talk about it, even though I'm a huge advocate for talking about it. Like I said, I'm sort of the biggest hypocrite when it comes to this. Um, I just, I guess I still sometimes want to be in the theater and just have that mask on. Um, You know, in in very recent times I I felt very depressed and suicidal, but I just don't want to talk about it. Um, And yes, that's a stigma of just not wanting to talk about or not wanting to seem like there's something wrong um, but also there's a large part of it for me that is just the feeling of being ashamed and 
I don't know yet if that's a part of a stigma or if that's something that on a personal level you need to get through and that's something that I guess more recently I've, I've been trying to mull over in my head um, but for me a lot of it is the feeling of being ashamed because it is because it's so stigmatized the idea that uh, to a lot of outsiders it's just like why would you take your life that's very selfish or that's uh, you know things get better and there's so many quotations and there's things will always get better and blah 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 and people with depression will say that too and it's but it's so easy to say something but to really live it and go through it is something else because realistically speaking yes things will get better but it's that time when it's not better it's how long can you keep your head up above the water do you want to keep your head above the water? I think especially with these kind of uh, sentences that lots of people like to use, this kind of toxic positivity about, come on, things are going to be eventually yeah, better, yeah. and everything will be fine, and you should be so grateful because you're alive. And uh, I think it's the same kind of system when someone says that, oh, I, uh, I'm feeling fat, and someone says, well, you know, in Africa people are dying in hunger. It's mm-hmm. like it didn't really solved my problem or you didn't really add anything to it's my It's various thing. sort of empty words. Yes. They like, mean well in some cases, but... Like, I, I understand that some people really like, they really have a concept that this is how I have that I'm going to pat your shoulder and say that, oh, just smile. You know, mm-hmm. everything's going to be alright. And uh, maybe if some people, or maybe in general the society would give more space for feelings and even if the feelings are not good, Maybe it would be easier even to talk about it because we have this tendency that, you know, things are going to be better and everything going to be just fine. And in such a situation, you just can't really bombard people with sentences about that. I want to die. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you want to die? Because everything is okay. Why, why, you, want, why you want to kill yourself? You see, I, I think that's a better question to ask um, for someone that's depressed is... Instead of just, I think a, the human reaction is to try and console, and if you want to be a good friend, you want to be positive, you want to sort of support them. But I think if, you know, you, for you listeners that do know someone uh, with depression, I think the biggest thing is listening or asking those good questions of not just having those empty words, but really trying to dig in and get them talking about it, get inside their minds and you don't have to always be positive just because someone's feeling down. That's not the, the remedy. That's not, yes. you don't need to apply the opposite you to fix something. You, you are not there to cheer up the person. You are there to listen to the person. Yeah, because you seeing these things, as, as bad as it sounds, it's not going to fix it because it's on a chemical level mm-hmm. um, in many cases. So if you, you're saying that's going to get better, it's not going to switch on your brain. It's like, oh, okay, yes. we can be happy now. It's... Yeah, it's that conversation, and if you do have that conversation, you ask those questions and just listen, then that makes the person dealing with that mental health problem feel more comfortable and maybe more willing to come to you. And you don't know if that, because of that conversation or because now they feel comfortable, if that's going to save their life. Okay, so we are arriving to the end of our podcast. Uh, maybe if you would like to share some thoughts to people who might suffer with depression but have no dare to go 
to seek a therapist or to find someone to help, how to reach out or how to cope with it when the first time you realize that you might have some problem. I guess my recommendation based off of my experiences is you know, definitely reach out, find a friend that you're very close with um, and try and open up to them. And yes, it's okay not to be okay. I am a huge advocate of that because it's not always sunshine and rainbows, but you don't have to live like that. You know, I was 10 years old and I wanted to kill myself. Our society should not function like that. So, and for the people that don't have depression but might know someone with it, listen. So we are closing with these thoughts. Thanks for listening us and tune in next time as well. So, see you guys around and bye.